It's time for the 104th QuackCast, Blonde Blood. So, two chemists walk into a bar. The first one said, I'll have some H2O. The second one says, I'll have some H2O2. Then he dies. See, H2O2 is hydrogen peroxide. I think the joke works better as a written rather than as a verbal. I have come to believe in my own version of the secret. The secret describes the law of attraction as a natural law that determines the complete order of the universe in our personal lives through the process of like attracts like. The author claims that what we think and feel, a corresponding frequency, is sent out into the universe that attracts back to us events and circumstances on that same frequency. End of quote. What's the frequency, Kenneth? Obviously not true, as I have yet to win Powerball. But a variant of the secret is kind of creepy. As soon as I learn about a new concept in medicine or in life, I start to see it everywhere, all the time. Perhaps my learning a new concept causes it to spring forth like Athena. I would have to say insubstantiate, but I got all sorts of grief last time I used that word. For example, shortly after reading a review of infections in patient with Osler Weber Rondu, I saw a case. Creepy. As I drive from hospital to hospital, I listen to audible books, and it is equally creepy how often I see a word in my visual field that is identical to the word I am listening to. Two weeks ago, I reviewed the SCAM, Supplements Complementary in Alternative Medicine, that is UV radiation of the blood. I had never heard of the therapy before. And within a week, I received a brochure from the ACAM, the American College for the Advancement in Medicine, who modestly refers to themselves as the voice of integrative medicine. Somehow I imagine the voice of Sylvia Brown when they talk, but that's probably just me. The brochure concerns their fall conference and trade show, where you can learn oxidative medicine in a one-day workshop, including ultraviolet blood therapy, all for around $649, as well as workshops to learn chelation and hyperbaric oxygen. I really need to stop learning about these things because I think it's causing more and more proliferation of nonsense. Little did I realize that by writing about UV irradiation of the blood, that the universe would provide me with an opportunity to learn more about it for some serious money. I think the universe is twisted. Part of the oxidative therapy course is learning to perform intravenous hydrogen peroxide therapy. I never heard of that one either. And I do this with trepidation since, given the universe's current malicious intent, I might end up a bleached blonde. So, here goes. Wish me luck. As I have mentioned many times in the past... I have this fundamental bias that at the level of human experience, we have a good understanding of how the universe works. But I guess that applies to the world in which I live. There is the many worlds interpretation of quantum mechanics that suggests that for every possible event that could have happened, has happened, resulting in a parallel universe we can neither see nor measure. I think they are partly correct. There are multiple universes that have split off from functional reality, the reality I inhabit. We can see the alternative reality, measure it, 
And oddly, despite being able to interact with these realities, we cannot seem to alter them. More terrifying, but not as dull, as the shrimp worlds or the alternative worlds of scam, where all the known rules by which we understand the natural world need not apply. Like the world that uses hydrogen peroxide as a therapeutic intervention. So, why hydrogen peroxide? The one true cause of all disease is inadequate oxygen. There are two situations that violate the Pauli exclusion principle. One is the true cause of all disease, of which there may be too numerous to count occupying the same unique position. The other, of course, is newborn babies, who are all simultaneously the most adorable human ever. There are forms of scam where a little nugget of truth is magnified out of all proportion of its significance. This is one of Dr. Oz's modus operandi. For example, some tumors and infections grow in a relatively oxygen-poor environment. Therefore, the cause of disease is low tissue oxygen. Not just cancer and the occasional bacteroides abscess, but all diseases have a component that is due to a lack of intracellular oxygen. To overcome that deficiency, you give oxygen intravenously as H2O2, also known as hydrogen peroxide, since the joke at the start of this podcast. There are other ways oxygen can be given for those in need of therapy. There's also ozone therapy, hyperbaric oxygen, Michael Jackson liked that one, drinking H2O2, peroxide enemas, <laughs> soaking in peroxide, and withdrawing your blood, bubbling it with oxygen, and then reinfecting, no wait, reinjecting the blood into the patient. So, give oxygen, but don't give it the old-fashioned way. You know, breathing. The purpose of H2O2 is to oxygenate the blood and thence the unoxygenated tissues. The chemical reaction is simple, though unbalanced in this particular case. H2O2 leads to H2O plus plus O, which is a free radical, free oxygen. Practically speaking, how is peroxide given? Well, they give you hydrogen peroxide at 0.0375% or lower. It's added to saline and infused into your vein at about an hour or two for about 250 mLs. I found another therapist who gives 5 cc's of 3% hydrogen peroxide and 500 cc's of 5% glucose and that's infused in 100 mil aliquots. It doesn't sound very good to me. But there are a variety of other ways that people mix hydrogen peroxide into water or various and sundry salt solutions and inject it into people. This makes me wish I was a wee bit closer to my chemistry days. I have neither the time nor the wherewithal to calculate how much oxygen such a process would add to the human body compared to, say, taking a deep breath. Others have made the calculation, and it suggests that the oxygen provided relative to breathing is, but not quite, homeopathic. Quote, under normal conditions, hemoglobin in blood leaves the lungs about 98% saturated with oxygen. The hemoglobin in one liter of blood can carry about 200 mils of oxygen, 
About 50 mils of this is extracted with each pass through tissue capillaries. The metabolism of a 60 kilogram adult requires delivery of between 200 and 250 mLs of oxygen each minute. Since the amount of hydrogen peroxide that is infused into a patient during one oxidative therapy session yields a total of about 100 mLs of oxygen per day, the treatment can make no significant contribution to one's oxygen requirements. End of quote. So you get about 288,000 mLs a day of oxygen that is used by your body, and you get about 100 mLs of oxygen from hydrogen peroxide. So the O2 delivery by intravenous hydrogen peroxide would represent about 0.03472% of your total daily oxygen intake, which is, for all practical intents and purposes, zero. If the hydrogen peroxide makes it to the arterial side before undergoing degradation, there is essentially no unsaturated hemoglobin to take up the oxygen, and plasma can at best dissolve 20 mils of O2. The rest of the oxygen will have to form bubbles that do have the small but real potential to cause gas emboli. So the best you can say about using peroxide as a mechanism for oxygen supplementation is that the amount generated is infinitesimal and is offered in a form that could potentially cause mechanical damage. And I would fret about the fastidiousness of those taking a bottle of hydrogen peroxide and preparing it for injection. One lapse in focus, and you could have a higher concentration of peroxide that was intended with terrible consequences. There is, for example, the PubMed reference, portal vein gas embolism following oxygen peroxide enema. Uh, I'll pass, thank you very much. Compounding pharmacies have a long history of occasional lapses that lead to death. There's the fungal meningitis that's been occurring in 2012. I always wonder about the environment of the clinic where providers make their own concoctions for patient use. I have in my mind the same conditions that result in the production of bathtub gin. Is there any reason to suspect that there is biologic plausibility behind the therapy? Nah, at least not that I can find. Peroxide is used to kill bacteria. Hydrogen peroxide is found in white cells, where it is localized to the phagolysosomes, and it is rapidly degraded by catalases. In the blood, hydrogen peroxide is also rapidly degraded, and there can be no H2O2 in the blood at levels that will kill bacteria. This has been demonstrated in an animal model. As best I can find, the normal concentration of H2O2 in the blood is at very most 32 micromolar. Like many potentially toxic molecules, the body keeps the hydrogen peroxide tightly segregated and rapidly degraded so it cannot cause harm. Further, there is no reason to suspect that low oxygen is a cause of any medical condition except perhaps suffocation. When you look at the list of diseases treated with hydrogen peroxide, everything of course, it is hard to see where either oxygen or H2O2 could have any benefit on the underlying pathophysiology. Here is one list. Asthma, emphysema, COPD, cardiovascular disease, Alzheimer's, peripheral vascular disease, arrhythmias, influenza, cold sores, shingles, 
temporal arteritis, migraines, cluster headaches, vascular headaches, coronary artery spasm with angina, chronic EBV, infectious mononucleosis, diabetes type H, huh? HIV infections, hepatitis, parasitic infections, fungal infections, bacterial infections, candidiasis, which are different than fungal infections, chronic pain syndromes, pain of metastatic cancer, environmental allergies, early multiple sclerosis, and rheumatoid arthritis. Man, that is quite a list. The data in my current reality, confirming treatment with IV hydrogen peroxide, nothing. Proponents note it is a natural product of metabolism. It is, like formaldehyde, which I thought was a toxin, but fail to note the importance that concentration and location of a molecule, as well as systems to scavenge H2O2, make it a useless therapy in human beings. I don't understand why those who feel getting patients properly oxygenated do not just give them supplemental oxygen, except, of course, they can't charge for that. There are rare deaths reported with hydrogen peroxide and are attributed to bubbles of oxygen causing obstruction and tissue damage, the aforementioned gas embolism. It is also of interest that hydrogen peroxide can lead to red cell hemolysis, especially in vitamin E deficient individuals and perhaps other anemias as well. It may have been the cause of death in at least one patient. Another example of the secret. Last week's Grand Rounds was on the adverse physiologic effects of hemolysis presented by Mark Gladwin from the University of Pittsburgh, and it was a fascinating talk. The basic physiology is free hemoglobin is extremely toxic and kept tightly sequestered and immediately scavenged by haptoglobin when released. When free, hemoglobin rapidly and irreversibly binds to nitric oxide in the vascular tree, leading to multiple severe physiologic derangements depending on the amount released and chronicity. For example, it is one of the causes of pulmonary hypertension in sickle cell and part of the derangement seen in severe malaria. I would wonder when I read the reports of hydrogen peroxide deaths if hydrogen peroxide-induced hemolysis was a major cause of the pathophysiologic derangements that killed the patient, especially if it was accidentally given at too high a concentration. But that is pathophysiologic speculation. Regardless of the mechanism, it has been known to kill the occasionally unlucky recipient. To sum up, intravenous hydrogen peroxide therapy should not work, does not work, and does kill. And that is the 104th Crackcast. See you later, guys. Bye.